support for this episode comes from Lalamand Brewing. Lalamand Brewing is a division of Lalamand Inc., a global producer of yeast and bacteria that aims to help breweries achieve their growth and quality goals by offering products, services and education. Lalamand Brewing's premium brewing yeast and bacteria deliver unmatched consistency, reliability and purity, allowing brewers to take full control of the brewing process. At the forefront of innovation and always looking to expand on the motto, we brew with you, Lalamand Brewing recently launched Lalbrew Verdant IPA in collaboration with Verdant Brewing. Lalbrew Verdant IPA is a unique strain of brewing yeast suitable for a broad range of beer styles, notably modern IPAs. To find out more about Lalamand Brewing and follow their news and product launches, connect with them on social media or visit www.lalamandbrewing.com. Some seven or eight years ago, I was in the USA. I was fortunate to be traveling to Atlanta, Georgia for work. On an off day from attending a trade show, I made a beeline for the Porter Beer Bar, located in the neighborhood of Little Five Points. I think I started with Hop Stupid from Lagunitas Brewing Company, an 8% IPA that I'd not seen back home in the UK. The beer was fantastic, although that didn't stop another patron berating me for drinking a beer that, according to them, would have been much cheaper from a local grocery store. Who cares? I was there for the experience of drinking among locals, not just for the beer itself. A duo would soon turn up and join me at the bar. Despite the wealth of selection on offer, there was only one beer on their mind. Delirium Tremens Blonde, on tap no less. Have you tried this? They asked. Many times, I replied. Back in London, the Belgian beer was thankfully much easier to come by. There were lots of styles available to choose for those two customers, including many other Belgian beers. But for them, the beer with the pink elephant was the order of the day. Fast forward a good few years, and back in the UK I'm seeing that fandom dedicated to a different brewery. And this time, it's one from the Czech Republic. Hello, and welcome to the Brewer's Journal podcast. My name is Tim Sheehan, editor of the Brewer's Journal. There are certain beer styles that, even with the briefest mention, evoke fond memories and strong feelings. Beers that are synonymous with quality, consistency and reliability. During sunny days, especially during lockdown, I'm sure most of us have longed for a crisp lager in one of Europe's many fine beer cities or towns. And when it comes to countries such as Germany or the Czech Republic, for instance, the lager space is both crowded and competitive. There is an abundance of quality and it takes a lot to stand out from your peers. And in the UK, we're blessed with a frequent and fantastic supply of these brilliant beers. But from last year, one brewery started to assume its position on the shelves of an increasing number of bottle shops. For Wiener Hradsky Pivovar, 2020 was a year when the Prague Brewery could start to show a UK audience that there was another great Czech brewery on the scene. The Czech brewery is owned by nine childhood friends. Operating out of a highly rated brewery and restaurant in Prague, the business is also well underway of expansion to a newer site that will significantly boost capacity. For UK drinkers, some of the main beers to have hit the export market are Wienerhradska 11, a 4.5% unfiltered and unpasteurized beer brewed with Pilsen and Munich malt. Wienerhradska 12 is a 4.8% premium gold lager, while Amber 13 is a bottom fermented release featuring caramel malt. You also have Western Approaches, a 5.1% India Pale Lager. Such beers have been garnering many fans since reaching the UK market last year, 
But for Dan Hodner, the brewery's managing director, there were never any grand plans for global domination. Yeah, well, it's, it's actually a relatively new thing. We set it up like basically with a few friends. We were planning it for, for ages. And we started it out like finally about, I don't know, six years ago or something like that. And the original idea was that we will brew beer, which we like. We didn't have a plan for uh, a big restaurant. Uh, certainly, we didn't have a, a plan to export abroad. But it was changing very quickly. Actually, already before we opened, we decided to go for a restaurant, which was a good decision because it helped us uh, at the beginning uh, when we were basically still fine-tuning the beer. That was like in the first year. And then suddenly our beer became more popular and we were delivering it all over Prague and actually even beyond Prague. And that was during the times when we still brewed only Czech lager. Yeah. And uh, I lived in I lived in London for many years. So I decided to change the portfolio a little bit and to expand into ales as well. The brewery's beers are a hit back home in the Czech Republic. But the timing had to be right for Hodder and his team to start looking further afield. We already had demand, like for the past three years. We had demand, but we didn't, we didn't have the packaging. We have only PET bottles, these plastic one-liter bottles. But they are not very good for the quality of beer. Yeah, the beer lasts only like for months or two. In the best case, uh, because the light can get inside it, actually the oxygen can get inside it as well. So it was not possible. And uh, a year ago, we bought actually like a uh, like relatively sophisticated canning and bottling line. Yeah, we made some larger investments. Actually, probably the biggest uh, in the small breweries in the Czech Republic. While improvements on the packaging side enabled the brewery to package its beer more effectively, their popularity would require even larger investments to help cater for demand. Basically, about nine months ago, or probably longer, one and a half year ago, we stopped having uh, capacity. Uh, we are basically sold out completely. So like, we can accommodate some uh, deliveries, but our main uh, bulk of production is still directed into pubs. So we are basically not taking uh, any new pubs anymore. And uh, because that was uh, something that we really didn't like that much, we decided actually to build a new brewery, like a really sophisticated one, uh, with the best technology like available worldwide and really specifically designed for brewing Czech Pilsner beer. So this is something actually that we are uh, just about finishing. We are finalizing the, basically the, uh, uh, raising the investment, but it's mostly done. And we, we are also finalizing the order of the technology. So we should have a new brewery running probably within 12 months. We are now basically at the final junction, like signing the contracts and things like that, getting everybody on board our own shareholders, and we should, have a, we, sh- we should have much more capacity for, basically, for 2022. And Hotta is understandably infused by the boost the new brewery will give the business. Well, in 2022, we will, like, we will be able to produce immediately double that, like immediately. In 2022, we will be able to produce probably... Easily, of easily, it's always these starts are not easy. Yeah, but 
basically easily 20,000 hectoliters. Within five years time, we could go to 50. Uh, but this is actually, this is less uh, dependent on technology. So if, if, we have, uh, if we have sales, we can ramp up pretty quickly. So the brewery, the new brewery will be actually five times, seven times, maybe eight times actually larger, yeah, depending how you look at it. So it's a, it's a significant expansion. We still want to do everything like craft style, uh, like manually and all, basically with absolutely no uh, compromise on the quality. But 50,000 hectoliters is already a larger mini brewery. In the United States, 50,000 is nothing. <laughs> Whether you consider their new brewery big or not, what's certain is that it'll give the team more flexibility with their existing site. Like the plan is that we will, when we start the brewery, we will, we will start it uh, with business. Yeah? Because the, the large part of our production, about 75%, is in, uh, is in various types of Czech lager. So, uh, because the new brewery will be also more efficient in terms of uh, electricity and water consumption and all that stuff. So it's going to be cheaper to produce it. Yeah? It, will be, it will be done in the bigger batches. The kettle, kettle will be 40 hectoliters probably. And we will probably not move uh, ales. We will keep them in the old brewery. Yeah, because we just we don't want to stop the old brewery from working. We are happy with it. The only problem was that uh, it had, it had uh, not enough capacity. So, but then we will see uh, if, if the production goes up quickly, uh, and we have to start to brew, uh, brew ales uh, at our new location anyway, then we will think about it. We definitely keep the old brewery. We are not, uh, for example, uh, like selling any equipment, keeping it live, and it will brew at least something. One of the attractions for people is that they can really see how the beer is brewed. So we don't want to have just a depository of a brewery there. We really want to uh, brew some beer there. And also, also, the, the, the location itself, yeah, it has a like, historical significance. The brewery's existing site boasts a traditional brew house. The 25-hectolitre kettle is full copper rather than stainless steel, kit that is both easy to sanitise and clean. And while the new facility will handle the bulk of production, Hotta expects the brewery's growing portfolio of ales to remain brewed at their older site, beers that complement Vidoradsky's core output. We are also shaping what actually people want. Yeah, and we are relatively popular, so we can basically persuade people that they should try something new. So, in a way, when we want to try something new, we can do that. But also, it's a reaction to what we see around us. Not only uh, uh, not only locally, but also abroad. But given that we are mainly focused locally, it's always kind of. Uh, Weighting the benefits of having more beers and uh, having basically more complex brewery. The, the thing is, you want to give people possibility to choose, yeah. And uh, people want Czech lager. Like here in the Czech Republic, we drink everything. Everything we drink as a session beer, yeah. So you really can be very successful with something that has 9.5 percent of alcohol. Yeah, like triple uh, IPA or something like that. Because everybody drinks 
beer as a session stuff. Uh, you can't drink something with 10% as a session, uh, like 10 beers uh, in the evening. So uh, during the evening, yeah. So uh, we have we we want to brew the pilsner mainly, but also we want to do some kind of a spice. It's like when you when you are in a restaurant, you want to order a dish that you are used to eat in the restaurant, but some, sometimes you have a dessert and sometimes you have a starter, yeah. So you uh, or you want to try something else. So it's kind of and also that's that's one thing. And the other thing is actually that there are people. And there are more and more of people like that, that uh, uh, especially young people, but like the atmosphere and uh, uh, and like the uh, pub environment, uh, uh, and go there and want to have like two, three beers, and then actually they don't necessarily want beers that are very light. And the company's MD sees the drinking culture mirrored in places such as the UK too. It's it's, it's uh, in the UK it's as well, yeah. Like you have these pubs, yeah. Prancing pony, whatever, you go there and you have 10 ales. You are sitting there with uh, guys that are sitting there all all their life. Uh, but then you have young people that actually do not want to go to the prancing pony with the smelly carpets <laughs> and uh, want to go to the craft bar, which has a modern fitting uh, and it has a different atmosphere and it's more kind of trendy and they have like two, three beers. They are probably more expensive, yeah. Because the pub or restaurant, has, they have to make the margin somewhere. So either they sell huge quantity, or they 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 say they sell, let's say, higher higher quality. Even though I would say it's a higher margin beer. So I'm looking at it uh, this way: that actually Pilsner or Czech Lager is generally rated lower than, for instance, IPA. Even though it's much harder to uh, to brew Czech Lager than IPA. While it's probably safe to leave the finer details of brewing different styles to another episode, one thing is evident, and that's how the last 12 months have impacted breweries such as Vinohradsky Pivovar. It was a good experience as well. Like, I think for everybody, it was a good experience. I'm not sure if good, but it was an experience. And a lot of breweries got uh, had to adapt to more uh, packaged beer yeah, and uh, uh, it's less uh, about being in a pub, uh, which is really uh, like a big portion of Czech culture. It's actually probably the main. It's, it's for example, it's much more important than, than church. The Brewers Journal podcast is a production of Reby Media, produced and hosted by me, Tim Sheehan. Sound engineering is by Ross McPherson. Series supervision is by John Young. The executive producer is Rory Harris. And a special thank you to Dan Hodder at Wiener Radzki Pivovar.